we're going to close today our two-part series on God's covenant of increase. It's about the power of restoration. Restoration in Old and New Testament is a legal right for any believer, and it decrees anything that has been lost, stolen, or taken away has to be brought back in greater quantity or quality or kind. You don't get back what you lost. You get back more or better than you lost. The thief shall restore sevenfold. It is a Bible doctrine. It is part of your covenant with Jesus. It was purchased for you. It is not earned, and it is a legal right. Use it or lose it. Don't be a good loser. And we talked about that last week, that it is our obligation to cause the enemy to pay back. In other words, squeeze him. Squeeze him hard. Make him pay. Don't, be a, don't lay down like a throw rug and let him run over you. God's given us weapons and rights and legal privileges that most Christians don't even use. So, as a result, a lot of God's people have taken on a survivor's mentality, the attitude that says, I just hope I can hold on to the end. But holding on to the end is not God's best for you. If you're just hoping you'll survive, then you're not believing for supernatural increase and restoration like God wants you to. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 22, it says, God's people and leaders won't declare restore. They won't declare it. So what's the result? They are robbed and spoiled by the enemy. Stop allowing that to happen. You have a responsibility to declare what God has said in his word against the enemy. Now, let me ask you something. Are you smarter than Jesus? Jesus took on human form as God Almighty, and he had to resist the enemy. And every time he did, he quoted Scripture against the enemy. That is your sword, Scripture says. That is the only offensive weapon we've been given. Everything else is for defense. So why don't we use it and make declarations against the enemy from God's living word? Jesus said, get behind me. It is written. It is written. Now, if God Almighty in the flesh used the word, you have got to use the word. Everything he did, he did as a spirit-filled man on the earth. You have the same right to do so. So God wants all of us to expect restoration in our lives, to expect and declare restoration over our lives, our marriages, our finances, our children, our health, and our businesses. So, what are you saying when you look at those bills? What are you saying uh, over your marriage? God, God said he needs somebody to say, restore. So if what you are saying, if what you are declaring is not restoration, then you don't have any expectation at all. You're not believing anymore. You're just living with a survivor, drift along, bump along mentality. And for many years, so many Christians, good people, have stood by and watched the enemy steal their joy, their peace, their marriage, their children, their money, their self-esteem, their health, and their desire for God. But God declares in Joel 2, verse 25, we did this last week, he says, I want to restore to you the ears the enemy has stolen. God wants to restore years to you. Make them better than what you've lost. 
But God says the problem is finding believers who come into agreement with him, believing the enemy will restore. So we're going to have to start believing and declaring, not surviving. See, the passive only survive. Possessors have to be strong and aggressive and assertive. Doesn't the Scripture say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? Well, excuse me, I just happen to believe the Bible. That's right there. It's clear Scripture. So if you're going to lay down and be, well, I just hope the enemy will feel sorry for me. He ain't going to feel sorry for you. He hates your guts. You belong to Jesus. You're blood-bought. So he wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything you've got. He never has a bad day. Oh, poor Nancy. I've been on her so she suffered so much. I'm going to let up. He's never going to let up till there's no life left in you at all. He, he, I mean, there's never a good day with the enemy. You are an enemy to him and a threat to him. And so you become a target. So I'm going to talk about a guy named Job in your Bible. And the story of Job is not primarily about suffering. It's about restoration. Job 1, verse 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. Now, if Job is a good man, favored of God, blessed richly, then why did Job go through his trials? Now down to verse 6. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Now some people believe that you can live in such a way and have the right faith that the devil won't bother you. You are one clown short of a circus. <laughs> one fry short of a happy meal. The butter has slid off your cracker. Who taught you that? See, well, you must have done something wrong. No, you didn't do anything wrong. You're a target of the enemy. So, in fact, the more the Lord blesses you, the more the enemy will try to come after you. But the more faith you have to withstand him, then the greater the victory you'll have when he does. So Job's goodness and faith and righteousness were not a deterrent from the enemy attacking. Now, there are many of you who love God with all your heart. I'm sure of it. And yet the enemies come to try to devour and consume everything you've got. Why? Because if Satan can knock you down just trying to survive, bump along, hang in there, just trying to get by, never having enough, always worrying, never trusting, never believing God's Word, then He can keep you from receiving what is a legal right, supernatural increase and restoration over your life. Now, God's got a best for you and me, and Satan wants to keep us from it. And people who aren't expecting that, who don't trust God's Word, even though they love Him, are no threat to the enemy. So he brings confusion, lack, depression, worry, until you just give up believing God. And it takes your focus off God's Word and God's promises so God will appear smaller than your problem. If your problem or your debt is bigger than the God you are looking at and serving, you'll never move that mountain. You've got to see God bigger than your problem. Well, Rick, I got myself into this mess, and I'll just have to get myself out. But that's the way foolish people talk, ignorant. See, all of us get ourselves in trouble most of the time. And when we do, we have to remember what? 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, I write these things to you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we've got an advocate, a defense attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
I got, I, got the be- I got something better than the dream team, better than O.J. Simpson had. I've got the advocate, the defense attorney that's been sent to help me, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, pleads my case, and I'm decre- decreed vindicated. The case is thrown out against me. No condemnation to those in Christ because my sin has been paid for at the cross. So realize, even though you got yourself in the problem and you're powerless to get out of it by yourself, God has a solution. It may not be the way you would have chosen, but it's the one God has chosen for you at that time. And you need to walk it out and do it without condemnation and be obedient so you can go free. See, the devil doesn't want you free. It's God who wants you free. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. It's God who wants me full of faith. It's God who wants me delivered. The enemy wants me bound, distracted, and divided. Now, Job chapter 1, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered or noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God. He stays away from evil. And God is saying, Have you, Satan, set your heart against my servant Job? Let me pause there to say, sometimes it's not cool when God mentions your name. Well, devil, have you considered my servant Sally? (laughs) No, but I'll look into it. And that's exactly what happened here. Verse 9, Satan replied to the Lord, yeah, I've considered him, but Job has a good reason to fear you, God. So the devil is accusing. He's saying Job only serves God because of the blessing. Now, Job's innocent of that charge and accusation. He doesn't even know this conversation is going on. Satan has come to distract everything God has added to him and you. Satan wants to subtract your spouse, subtract your children from you. He wants to subtract your health. He wants to subtract your finances your ministry, your business, your physical blessing, just because God gave it to you. He can't hurt God, but he can hurt who God loves. That's you and me. But God doesn't subtract. He's in the adding and multiplying business. He restores. Verse 10 and 11, the devil says, you've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has. He will curse you to your face. In other words, the enemy is saying, hey, take away the blessing. Take away his health. Take away all the good things you've given him. And Job will stop being a believer. And he will just become a survivor. And he will accuse you, God, for the outcome. You know, ever looked at your bills or looked at a situation? And maybe you give and tithe. And maybe you're faithful. And you had this thought like all of us, why doesn't God help me out? Now, that's an accusation against God. See, this is what Satan's trying to say to God about Job. Job's all about the blessing. Take away the blessing. You won't have Job. He's out. Job is all about abundance. Take away the abundance. You won't have Job. Just let old Job become a survivor for a while. Let him drift along. He will stop being a believer. See, because surviving puts you in an attitude of ceasing to believe and declare what is your legal right against the enemy. If you keep that mindset, you're finished. But God declares to the devil that Job is a believer, not a survivor. You go ahead and take away the blessing and abundance and see. Now, 
a lot of people can say, well, if I could just have this, if I had his wife or her husband, if I could make this much money, well, if I could just live here, if I could have that job, I'd be happy. That's a total lie. The greatest treasure you and I have is my personal salvation and relationship with God. You take away everything I have but that, and I still have the power and opportunity to come back, to be restored. See, people can take stuff. Thieves can take stuff. They can't take who you are, what you know, and the favor of God. They cannot take away your legal rights. They don't know it, but they cannot do it. And sadly, most Christians don't know the enemy has no right to get away with it. And God knew the thought and intent of Job's heart. He knew Job's love wasn't centered in blessing only. There are, what, 42 chapters in the book of Job. But those 42 chapters are not Job's entire life. Most Bible scholars agree the trial in Job's life took place over about a one-year period. He didn't suffer these adversities his whole life. Satan gave Job his best shot, but it wasn't enough to cause Job to turn his back on God, quit church, quit tithing. It wasn't enough to cause him to become a survivor and quit being a believer. He chose to believe God for restoration. I love what he said. He said, though he slay me, I will put my trust in him. Job chapter 14, verse 7 through 9 says, even a tree has more hope. If it is cut down, it will sprout again and grow new branches. Though its roots have grown old in the earth and its stump decays, at the scent of water, it will bud and sprout again like a new seedling. A lot of us lost a lot of stuff during the snow and freeze. Remember that? Yeah, just remember who was on ERCOT. I hope we hadn't forgot those people who put us in this mess. And all the board members didn't even live in Texas. And whoever's leading the thing did a lousy job. And they all resigned and went away, and we've done nothing. Have we fixed the, the transformers? Have we fixed the, the, the wind generators or whatever? Nobody's saying anything. Are we going to be better off when this next winter hits us now? I'm just venting a little bit here. I was embarrassed. They didn't want to pay any money to give us more electricity so we didn't have to get shut off. I was shut off for a whole week. No water and no power. And it cost several thousand dollars to fix everything that blew up because of the freeze. And many of you did as well. That being said, we lost some palms and some, some nice shrubs that have been growing for about 27 years. And I thought, surely they're dead. And the guy that does the greenery, he says, not everything. He says, chop it off to the stump and we'll see in about three months. And man, one of, my, one of my palms that I loved was so beautiful, looked like an ugly stump. And before, before I left this week to go to uh, Virginia uh, to speak, I noticed there were a few green sprouts in the middle of it. And I thought, dang, this thing, this thing may live and not die. And I got home after a week and I looked on the back porch. That sucker has jumped out three feet. It looks better now than it did before it cut it down. And I thought, man, that, that scripture right there is true. It may look dead, but when God restores it, it's coming back and it's looking great. So Job said he felt cut down, pressed out of life, but he declares there's hope. And folks with God, 
There is always hope. No such thing as a hopeless situation, a hopeless person. I've never had the feeling there's a hopeless person in here today. No, not with God Almighty. There's always hope. Get in agreement with him. James chapter 5, verse 11 says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job, and you have seen the end or outcome intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and very merciful. Let me say this. That scripture, I used to say, how come I'm supposed to count it all joy when all hell breaks loose? He said, it's not about the hell that broke loose. It's about the outcome. In other words, when you get, we hadn't gotten there yet, but he says, when you see the outcome of Job, now you can see that God is merciful, compassionate, and that he restores. So you can have joy knowing I'm going to be better off at the end of this thing than I am right now, although it looks terrible. That's how you have hope. He says, consider Job. And we're reading about him. So Satan had his intentions. God has his intentions. And his intention is to bless you if you endure. So no matter how deep in yogurt you are, there's hope. There is restoration. The book of Job is not just about suffering. It's about endurance or patience, King James says, in the midst of bad circumstances. And this is what God does for consistent, patient, believing people. What is the end of Job that James mentions? Job 42, verse 10. It says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. The new King James says, and the Lord restored all of Job's losses. That's the outcome. So your story's not over yet. So you need to get on your horse and start declaring restoration. Now, can you see why James says we count them happy, blessed, who endure? Most folks don't endure. When they get in trouble, they run away. They drop out. Well, they had a business reversal. Well, they got sued by somebody. They had a divorce. And they drop out of church, we never see them again. You, let me tell you, when you get in a mess, even if you made it, run to God. Don't run away from God. You run to him. He forgives, he's merciful, and he will restore. Get losing off your mind, you know. Losing was not on God's mind when he made you. It was winning, being more than a conqueror. Verse 13, Job 1, said, One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, it's a great day, right? And all hell breaks loose. And we have a tendency to remember those days, don't we? Verse 14, well, a messenger arrived at Job's home with his news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals. They killed all the farmhands. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Merry Christmas. Boom. Satan throws a punch. Verse 16, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up all your sheep and the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Boom, Satan throws a lift. Verse 17, while he was yet speaking, a third messenger, or I'll be looking at that third guy. Now, don't you come near me. The third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Boom, an uppercut. Job's groggy. I don't know if you've had a bad day, but you hadn't had this bad day. Verse 18, while he was still speaking, 
another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their older brother's home when suddenly a powerful tornado swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Bang. Joseph's down for the count. He's on the mat. The devil's trying to count him out. Satan has consumed everything this man had except his life. Verse 12, Job 16. This is Job's assessment. I was living quietly until he shattered me. He took me by the neck and broke me in pieces. Then he set me up as his target. See, it gives us Job's description of what has just taken place. And remember what Job 1.1 said about Job? He's an upright, perfect man, a just man, a wealthy man. But there came a day. Nothing wrong with Job. Verse 12 of Job 16, Satan puts out a hit contract on Job. And his hit men from hell are out to get him. He's a target. Verse 12, he says, I was living quietly until he shattered me. He took me by the neck and broke me in pieces. Then he set me up as his target. You ever, you ever felt that way? But what you may have forgotten is that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. For this is your legal right, your heritage in the Lord. That's in Isaiah 54, 17. You got you to remember that. It isn't that the devil can't attack you. It is that his plan in attacking you will be thwarted. In other words, whatever the attack is, it won't accomplish its intended outcome. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Well, it will be formed and it will be released, but it has limited capabilities. It can knock you down, but not knock you out. It can delay you, but not stop you. Does that make sense? Okay, be thinking right. And the devil wants you to forget that when he starts shooting at you. But God says, if you will continue to stand, if you will speak God's word boldly and refuse to speak foolishly with your mouth, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Job 17, verse 1. My days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desire are broken. So Job's talking out of his hurt, not out of his heart. And we got to become like John Paul Jones when the mast of his ship were all hanging, tattered. Fire was racing across the deck of his ship. And the enemy asked him, do you want to surrender? And old John Paul Jones said, I haven't even yet begun to fight. Something in us needs spiritually needs that sort of an attitude and defiance. In Job 17, verse 15, where then is my hope? Can anyone find it? See, when we come under severe attack, we can be like Job, start to lose our focus because we can't see anything but the problem. And some of you this morning are in agreement with your mate on the problem, not on the solution. Well, honey, looks like we're going under. Yeah, I guess we are. And the Bible says, if two of you shall agree, it shall be done. So you can agree to fail just like you can agree to succeed. Don't get in agreement with the enemy. You can agree to go under just like you can agree to go over. And some of you wives and husbands are in agreement to fail. You're not in agreement to succeed. I know when I've driven off the parking lot or we've gone to a movie or somewhere and we were discussing an issue that, uh, that to be faced and with automatic transmission, just reach over and grab Cindy's hand and we pray out loud in the car while going to the movie. Make declarations against the enemy and quote scriptural rights against the enemy 
we can do damage. I'm pulling the pin on the hand grenade and throwing it until this battle's over. And God tells me I am supposed to do that. Resist the enemy, and in time, he will flee from you. If I lose my focus on God by agreeing on the problem, well, Ed, you're too old. It's going to be hard for anybody to employ you. Ed, blah, 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 blah. Just keep talking, talking with your mouth foolishly and not doing what God said. Are you talking about, well, that kid's going to end up in prison. That kid's never going to do anything right. I was, uh, this is about two years ago, I was talking to one of my kids, and uh, they were down in the mouth and uh, talking nonsense. And I remember I just, something in me like a bolt of lightning. Said, hey, you are the seed of the righteous. I'm quoting scripture. You shall inherit the earth. You shall be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches shall be in your house. You will possess the gates of your enemy. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The, I, I mean, I just declared what God said you are, not what you think you are or what you feel you are, or what somebody told you you are. I wasn't going to agree on the problem. I ain't stupid. I can see what you're doing. I know if this is unabated, I know the outcome of that deal, but I've got authority as a parent, as a spiritual authority as well, and I'm going to use it. I'm going to shape your future with or without your permission. You have that same right. So agreeing on the problem is going to help anybody. The people that do agree on the problem don't have any hope outside of God. David said this in the Psalms, why are you cast down, O my soul? Put your hope in God. See, when you focus on the problem, you start to slip over into drift mode, survival mode, bump along mode, hang in there mode. So Job's hope, hope is starting to fade. And instead of being surrounded by voices of encouragement that would bring him hope, Satan finds some allies in Christian brothers sitting near you. I added that, okay. He found some allies in Job's wife and so-called friends. You can go to church and somebody can use the mouth of a believer to sow negativity and unbelief into you. Absolutely so. It is, it is so true. It doesn't mean they aren't saved. It just means they aren't saved. Remember Jesus told Peter, the great apostle Peter, get behind me, Satan. Woo! Wait a minute, I'm on the dashboard of most Catholics' car. What do you mean? He meant what he just said, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. He said, Satan put that in your mind and words. That wasn't you, Peter. That was the enemy speaking through you. Don't let the enemy use your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your words. You said, well, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything then. Don't say anything until you find out what should I say. You've got to agree with God's Word in a situation. If every time I said to my wife, hey, I think i got a good idea. I think I can see daylight at the end of this tunnel. And she would say, ah, oh, it won't work. It never does. That would be kind of hard to have hope. So you've got to get into agreement. And I'm trying to give you some hope this morning. In verse 11 of Job 1, you know, the enemy says, stretch out your hand. Touch everything Job has. He will curse you to your face. So Satan has made Job his personal project of destruction. Job is a target. He's a great man. He's a prosperous man. But it's all coming apart like a cheap sweater. But Job didn't curse God. And, and think about this. Job didn't even know there was a Satan. Job didn't even have a Bible, and you do. And he's still a great man. And we've got this illustration to help us. And we've got God's word. And we just get the daylights beaten out of us. 
because we don't know his word. Owning a Bible is not knowing the word, right? All he had was a belief that God had been the source of everything in his life, and now it's all gone. One minute he's God's favored son, the next minute he feels forsaken, and he's at a loss to know why. So what's going on? Job had to make a decision that would affect the rest of his life. Either God was or he wasn't. Either God could or he couldn't. And either God would or he wouldn't. Job had to make the choice you and I have to make. Verse 1 and 2, Job chapter 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. That will tell you what choice he made. Job knew God was, he knew God could, and he knew God would. And Job chose to be not a survivor. He chose to be a believer for supernatural increase and restoration. Now watch this. Chapter 42, Job, verse 7. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Job's friends hurt him and misrepresented God. Be careful who you connect with. Be careful who you hang out with. And verse 10 says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. You know the best way to get everything you want? Help somebody else get what they want while you're waiting. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Ephesians 6, 8. Some of you at home sitting there, I hope you'll involve yourself. You know, we want to help, what, 2,000 children with Child Protective Services have a happy Christmas coming from all kinds of terrible homes, criminal homes, drug-infested homes, abuse and neglect. We want them to have the best Christmas they possibly can. And every year for, I don't know how many years, 15 or more, we've made that possible because of your generosity. So help them. You say, well, I'm in a problem myself. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Put the law in motion, Sparky. Wake up. Wake up. Quit sucking your thumb, feeling sorry for yourself. God's given you a principle here. And verse 10, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Wow. That's, I want to look at the finish line and see. Yeah. It's not where you are now. It's where you're going. You see? And it's how we finish. God's not through. Could it be that the restoration you need will come when you get your mind solely off yourself and everything you've lost, and telling everybody about it, and you start not only declaring restoration, but you start helping and praying for others as you're able. See, how many times do you say you in your prayer life? When you consume all of your prayer time on you, your focus is too narrow, too consuming, and the fastest way to get your need met is to get involved in somebody else's. It's called giving, and you shall receive love, kindness, mercy, whatever it may be. And remember, always remember, he is the God who is, he is the God who can, and he is the God who will, and he will for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ has ever changed, never will it change. And what he's done for others, he will do for you. But let's operate the principle. Let's start declaring restoration. Now, can we do one more thing as we close? This will be my last one for a good while. I want us to make some declarations of restoration as we did last week. 
just take as quick as we can, but I want to help you. I'm just giving you a form, and as you take that form, you can add more scripture to it and go as far as you want. But this is just a little, a little appetizer to show you kind of how to do it. I do this every day of my life, going in, coming out, at home, going to work, driving in the car, sometimes on an airplane, sitting in some quiet time. I renew my mind and make declarations of God's word against what is being attacked or where we need help. So I want to put this into practice. So if you need health or healing in your body, get up right now, stand up. We're going to make a confession with our mouth, and we're going to resist the enemy, and we're going to declare restoration. We're going to declare it. And don't worry about what other people do. Get yours. Get yours. Don't mumble. Say it out loud. I don't mumble talking to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I make this confession in faith believing. You are my Lord and my Savior. You are my great physician. You bore my sin and my sickness on your own body, on the cross. You are my healer. By your stripes, I am now being healed. By your precious blood, I have victory over every sickness and disease. Father God, you have set before me life and death. I choose life. You have set before me blessing and curse. I choose the blessing. I will not fear, for you are with me. You are my strength, my fortress, my high tower, my buckler, my shield, and my strength. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will praise you. I will declare your greatness. I will bless your name forever. I therefore curse all infirmity, all disease, all disorder occurring in my body. I break every curse of infirmity inherited through my family. Jesus became a curse for me that I might inherit the blessings of Abraham. I thank you, Lord. I have a legal right of restoration and to be made well. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. No plague shall come near my dwelling. Every disease-carrying germ, every virus that touches my body, or my spouse or children, will die instantly in Jesus' name. The curse without a cause shall not come upon me. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I praise you, Lord. The victory is mine. Thank you. I should be in health and prosper, even as my soul prospers. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Those of you that are facing an attack, could be in your job, employment, could be legal, whatever it is, but you need protection. I want you to stand. Make this confession with me. If you're at home, now just sit there and watch. Get involved in this for your life, your family, your health, your finance and business. Now remember, God is the high priest of our confession. So we're saying what God says. Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation in faith, confessing you are my Lord and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You, Lord, are the strength of my life. 
of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, then my enemies and my foes stumbled and fell. Though an army gather against me, my heart shall not fear. In this I will be confident that I will dwell safely in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, God will hide me in his pavilion. He will set me on a high rock. He will lift my head above my enemies. The Lord is the glory and lifter of my head. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing praise unto the Lord, for the vindication is mine today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Those of you that want God to give you help or a new beginning in your finances and prosperity, stand up with me. Stand, maybe it's in business. I don't know what you may be facing. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree this proclamation that you, Lord, give me power to obtain wealth. You dip my feet in oil. You favor me with my brothers. Thank you for houses I didn't build wells I didn't dig, and vineyards I didn't plant. Thank you, I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Whatsoever I do shall prosper. My leaf shall not wither. You will make me the head and not the tail. You will give me dwelling places I didn't pay for, I didn't build, and wells I didn't dig because I've honored you with my living and my giving. My harvest will come to me exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or imagine. You delight in the prosperity of your servant. You make the liberal soul fat. Give and it shall be given to you. Shall men give to you? Therefore, Lord, thank you for gainful employment, that I will be fruitful and flourishing, even in old age, because I am planted in the house of God. My harvest will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'll be blessed going out, blessed coming in. I'll be blessed in my basket and in my storehouse. Thank you, Lord. Satan must restore to me sevenfold all that he has taken. My harvest is abundant. My harvest is from God, the giver of every perfect gift. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning in my finances, and handling my resources in the name of Jesus. Now, one last one, everybody. Come on, everybody, get up. We're done. One more for everybody. Covers everything. It's victory over everything through the blood of Jesus, my favorite. Say, Lord Jesus, I make this proclamation in faith believing. I overcome Satan when I testify personally to what the Word of God says that the blood of Jesus does for every one of us as a believer. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, I overcome Satan. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven and remembered no more. Through the blood of Jesus, I am continually being cleansed from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am made holy, 
set apart to God, through the blood of Jesus, I have boldness to enter the presence of God, saying, Daddy, Daddy, thank you, Lord Jesus. You are at the throne of God, interceding on my behalf. Satan has no place in me, no power over me, no claims against me. It has all been paid for at the cross. Through the blood of Jesus, I am free. Now listen, David said after his proclamation, I will offer the sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle and give praise to the Lord. Ten seconds. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you, almighty God. Thank you for healing, for deliverance, for salvation. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for recompense. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your patience and kindness to us. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.